0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And we are back at it for another uh, Sunday afternoon. Yeah, time for you to call in uh, for the remainder of the hour. Very simple. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. You have questions about your job, your employment, your severance, your boss, uh your pay, holidays, anything under the employment umbrella you've been wondering about or possibly it's just good timing and you need to talk to uh to Leah get some opinion, get some questions answered. This is the hour here on the employment hour you want to do so. Um severancepaycalculator.com we'll get to a uh more detailed description about what that is all about a little later on in the show. Phone lines are open ready for your phone calls, but we always start uh, Leah with a couple things happening in your desk or on your desk in the office that is the week that was what is going on with you
1: well, it's September, which is crazy, mm-hmm. and uh, it yeah. feels like September out there. Um, and I'm sure people are. <laughs> it actually feels like November out there right now. But you oh, know, yeah. people are back from their summer vacations, and if this is the first time you're listening in, this is the employment hour, and this is what this is is a show dedicated to your rights as an employee, as a worker, and we're here for you. If you have any questions about your job, your workplace rights, your rights on term. From your workplace, what you can and can't do on social media, which is my favorite topic lately, give us a call. Happy mm-hmm. to talk to you about it on air, or you can just listen in uh, over the next hour as we chat about the various files that I deal with on a daily basis as an employment lawyer, and, and we can chat off air too. Uh, this week, I wanted to start with uh, what I'm going to call Leah Bragg time. <laughs> okay, nice. uh, as yeah, yeah, as most uh, of my clients will tell you, this path mo- this past month has been crazy busy uh, for me and the firm and I think I've, I've actually been in court more days than I've been out of it But I'm happy to say that it has, for the most part, all been successful. And I wanted to chat about two of the cases that I recently won, hence the bragging, uh, because there are some Mm -hmm. good lessons and takeaways from them. Uh, The first one is a two-day trial that I just got back from in Victoria. I actually think that I was talking about this on the show right before I left. This was a case involving a plaintiff who had been employed by her defendant employer for just over five years. Throughout her employment, her performance was marvelous. It was celebrated. She earned promotions. And importantly, every time constructive feedback was provided to her, she took it seriously and she improved. Um, In September of 2016, the plaintiff was asked to take over the management of two stores, which effectively doubled her workload following this change. And for the first time, the plaintiff was provided with a written warning in February of 2017 regarding the number of hours she should be spending on the sales floor and things like her communication and her attitude and her, uh, I think one quote was, you know, willingness to provide an exemplary customer experience. So really, really ambiguous things. And Following that, the, she did meet the targeted number of hours that she was required to be on the sales floor, and she took whatever steps she could, you know, that she could think of to improve mm-hmm. her communication and attitude. But one month later, she receives another written warning that, you know, acknowledges that she'd increased her presence on the sales floor as was requested, but continued to take issue with her communication style and attitude. And then six weeks after that, she's terminated for cause. Now, the defendant's position throughout the, entire, uh, throughout the entire action and at trial was premised entirely on the fact that two letters of written warning were provided, and they explicitly advised that she would be terminated if she didn't improve. They argued effectively that they had disciplined her, put it in writing, and warned her that if she didn't improve, she'd be fired. And they said that to the extent that she didn't know what was expected of her, it was on her to ask those questions. And the fact that she didn't means that she didn't really care about improving and that they were legally able to terminate her for cause. Now, the judge ultimately, bless her heart, disagreed with this position in its entirety. It was found that it was not for the plaintiff, it was not for the employee to ask questions about the standards expected of her, but on the company to clearly communicate what those standards were, how they could be met, how they could be measured, and then give constructive and useful feedback accordingly. The judge found that the letters were just too ambiguous to be found to have communicated any clear standards of performance for the plaintiff to meet. And although the judge did find that she was warned, she also found that this employee was provided with absolutely no assistance in improving, improving, given no clear metric on how to improve, and was mostly left in the dark to figure it out on her own. So as a result, she was awarded five and a half months of severance, which is exactly what I had asked for, and was the amount of time that the plaintiff was unemployed until she found another job. So... Besides, you know, mentioning the win, I always thought that this was a good chance to talk about cause again. Because really, we could talk about cause every week for the entire hour, and we wouldn't and couldn't cover everything that you need to know. The most important takeaway, I think, here is that it's entirely the company's burden. It's the employer's burden to prove that it had cause to terminate employment. If your employer is going to terminate you without any severance, which is what terminating for cause means, they have to prove that there was no other choice, no other choice but to treat the employment relationship at an end. This is a very high bar. They have to prove that there was no possible way to continue, whether you know in a different role, progressive discipline, or even by providing uh, additional training. Terminating for cause is referred to by our courts as the capital punishment of the employment relationship. And so as an employer, you need to show that the employee's performance had become so poor, so consistently poor, that it was past remediation and that it had essentially given rise to a breakdown in the employment relationship. So if you're an employer out there, I mean, you're probably thinking that this sounds like a hercule, herc- oh, I can never say that word. It sounds like a very difficult Wiggling. task. Yes, very. Thank you. Right. I'll just have <laughs> you difficult. fill in that word whenever I want to say it. <laughs> yeah, say difficult it. works too. So so how does a company or an employer do that? Um First, you need the clear standards. And if they're not written, you're going to have a really hard time proving cause right off the bat because you need to be able to show that standards existed. So make sure that you've got your policies and your workplace standards in writing and that those are things that are provided uh, to the employees. Because you also need to show that these standards were attainable and measurable and clearly communicated to the employee that the employee uh, knew of these standards. Once you tell an employee what those standards are and how they're falling short of them, you need to give them assistance to help them improve and importantly, give them the opportunity to improve. You can't terminate someone for cause two weeks after you first brought performance issues to their attention, for example. Um, you know, in addition to all of this, they also need to be warned that a failure to improve will lead to future discipline up to and including termination. Even if all of these things are in place, an employer is still gonna have an issue where the employee was a long-term employee with no prior history of discipline, or if there are any other extraneous factors that could explain the blip in performance. So in the case that I was just referring to, That plaintiff, that employee had just doubled her workload and had otherwise been an exemplary employee, uh, you know, that worked against the defendant employer. You can't set somebody up to fail. You can't ask somebody to do the impossible and then terminate them for failing to do it. So yes as an employer, paper your file, but also give employees meaningful chances to improve and make sure that they're aware of the standards that they're being held to. Otherwise, a termination will have to come with severance, and if it doesn't, you're gonna be on the losing side of a trial, which is never a good place to be.
0: And like you said, I mean, this threshold gets higher and higher the longer this person's been employed, whether it be five years, 15, 20, 30 year employee, it's gonna be pretty hard to pull that off, right?
1: Yeah, especially if you don't have any history of progressive discipline oh. before that, right? I mean, in right. this case, this uh, particular employee started as a sales representative and then moved to a sales manager. And the employer admitted on the stand that she was always excellent as a sales representative. <laughs> so the question that I kept coming back to uh, in my cross examination was okay, fine. If you didn't think that she was meeting the performance standards of a sales manager, why not demote her back to the position of sales rep? You know, if you never had a problem with her in that role, why was it necessary that you had to terminate her? And they didn't have an answer.
0: Not shocking, but that's the way it goes, right? We're going to take a, uh, a short break here. I know you got one more case you want to talk about. We're going to get into that. Uh, most common questions you get asked every day. I know some of these are going to fall into that category as well. Severance Pay Calculator and your phone calls as well. Lines are open, ready to go. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Just getting warmed up. The employment hour right here on CKNW. Anytime you need to get a hold of Leah, when the show is not on for this hour, you can call in, but other than that, help at employmenthour.com or 604-283-3123. That will put you in touch, and of course, you still have the remainder of this hour to call in and get your questions answered, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on cell. I want to get back to your uh, to your week that was uh, Leah, but first, as always, uh, our callers, we love them, like to talk to them. Terry, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on with you?
2: Um, I've been working uh, for about two years with this construction company, um, and uh, suddenly, beginning of this year, uh, I, I didn't have any hours, uh, and I haven't been working since. And uh, my boss has been, when I call them, they tell me that there is nothing that we, we don't need you right now uh wait till we start uh, another project and then we can get you in again and this has been going on since january and i don't know what to do they won't let me go and at the same time they're not giving me any hours so i don't know what to
1: do yeah i'm i can definitely help you with that terry and i'm so glad you called just to clarify you haven't worked since january yes yeah so even if they for won't this
2: company, I mean, for this company, I haven't worked since January, but I've been doing some private stuff uh, for myself like
1: okay, uh, all right, so let's 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 shelve that just for a second, and let's just speak about your specific employment relationship with this particular company because sure. even if they won't explicitly say to you, "You know, you're fired, we're going to let you go because clearly we don't have work for you. By not giving you hours, by not giving you work to perform and not paying you, they have terminated you. The law will deem that a termination. Um, so what you can do is you can say, you know, this is not uh, this is not okay. You haven't given me work since January. Uh, you know, it's you've continued to promise it and you haven't delivered. And now I'm calling you on it. And if you're not going to give me these hours, then I am going to say that I was terminated back in January of 2018 when you stopped giving me work, and I'm going to claim severance as a result of that, which you're entitled to. Uh, you know, the only question I might have for you here is whether or not you have an employment contract in place.
2: Um, yes, I do have, I did write something at the beginning. I don't really remember much, but yes, I did sign some uh, some papers with them. Uh, even they, they, they were supposed to give me um, health care as well uh, for uh, some extra health care and they didn't even give me that later on. Um, So I I do remember signing some papers, but I'm not exactly sure what it was. It's, It's about two, two and a half years ago.
1: Okay. well, I mean, what I what I think that would be a good idea is if you maybe took a look through your records, um, located that contract and then send it to me. I'd be happy to take a look at it. If there's anything in there that allows them to do this, that allows them to cut back your hours this drastically, um, then, you know, that's something that we're going to have to discuss and deal with. I very much doubt that's the case, though. But just in terms of crossing our T's and dotting our I's, um, definitely want to take a look at that contract uh, to see what you're entitled to uh, as a result of your hours being cut back so drastically.
2: Oh, if if I don't have that contract... can I ask them? Would they be able yes. to do
1: it to me? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're a party to that contract, so you're certainly entitled to a copy, and you can ask. You can ask your employer. You can ask the company for a copy of that contract. Uh, if okay. there's nothing in there that allows them to reduce your hours as drastically, and if there's nothing in there that limits your entitlements in terms of severance pay, um, you know, you're Terry. Looking at for two years of two and a half years of service, you're certainly looking at a range of notice at around the two to four month mark. Oh wow! Okay. 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 Thanks so very so much. You, yeah, you're very welcome, Terry. My pleasure.
0: Terry, appreciate that. And once you dig up that stuff and uh, and get it straight, so you want to call Leah as well six zero four two eight three thirty one twenty three or help at employmenthour.com. Uh, I want to get back to your your second case you were talking about before we uh, move on to our topic and more phone calls. Uh, what, what did you help? Uh, what else you have going on, pal?
1: Yeah, the, the second case is a judgment that I just got back last week on a case that I tried at the beginning of August, uh, and, you know, it was also a win in case we're keeping track. Uh, and this one, this I know you were asking, you were thinking it. Of course. Um, and this one was a big one because it involved an employee who had been working for six months, and he was awarded six months of notice. Wow. Uh, apparently, it was all over Twitter when it came out. Um, yeah, everyone strives to be uh, trending in the employment law world. Let me tell you, uh, but in this this decision, the plaintiff, uh, the employee, was forty three years old, and he was employed as a sales associate uh, for a period of six months for the defendant company. Prior to starting employment with the company, he had been employed by another company as a sales associate in that case for a period of eighteen months. The defendant company's then sales manager contacted my guy, my client, out of the blue about a job opportunity with it. So he invited the plaintiff to come in for a meeting and essentially offered him the job on the spot, which was initially not responded to by the plaintiff. He wasn't looking for work at the time and he needed to think about it. One week later, uh, this guy calls him again, telling him to come in. The job is his if he wants it.
0: I'm smelling an inducement here.
1: Yes, very good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> through through the course of these two meetings, um, you know, a, a, a number of representations were made to the plaintiff about projected income. Uh, he was told about you know how pivotal quote unquote the nature of his roles uh, the nature of his role would be, and also told a lot about opportunities for growth within the company. Mm-hmm. In the resulting judgment, the judge found, ding ding ding, John, the representations were sufficient to induce the plaintiff into quitting the employment he held at the time and to join the defendant. The judge also found that the plaintiff undertook very reasonable, diligent efforts to look for other work, but ultimately he wasn't able to find anything for seven months. This ultimately was the main factor in increasing the notice period. So in the end, because of the inducement, but in large part because it was so difficult for him to find a job, notwithstanding his excellent efforts to do so, this six-month employee was awarded a six-month notice period. And there are a lot of things about this decision that are interesting and worth noting here. First and foremost, and again, I, I it's so important to keep reminding people about this because short-service mm. employees are entitled to disproportionately longer periods of notice than most people and most companies believe or expect. When it comes to short service employees, so employees who have been employed for less than three years, um, even if it's as little as six months, our courts in BC say that barring a probationary period or an enforceable contract, the starting point for most short-service employees will be two to three months of severance. Wow. And this number only goes up when you have evidence of inducement or uh, a particularly job uh, difficult job market, bad faith, or really any other factor that the court wants to consider and is relevant to the analysis. Second uh, is this concept of inducement. A lot of people think that inducement arguments can only be made when you're promise that you work there until you, you die or you retire. But this case shows that in, inducement is on a spectrum. You don't necessarily have to be promised the sun, moon, and stars in order for a court to find that you've been induced to join its its employment and are entitled to more notice as a result. If you're specifically sought out, and made promises about the nature of your job, the opportunities for growth within the, uh, within the organization and other representations of this nature, that can be enough to find inducement somewhere on the scale. Third, if there's any takeaway from this case, it's on the importance of looking for other work once you've been let go. Right. Severance may oftentimes feel like a reward for a certain duration of service, but that's not how our courts look at it. Severance, is are, are damages for a breach of contract. It's provided to employees in order to help an employee bridge uh, their unemployment from one job to the next. It's there to help an employee survive until other employment's found. But if you're not looking for other work, a court's not gonna be very sympathetic to your situation. And we'll say, you know, the economy's booming, sales jobs are everywhere. And if you applied for more or any positions, you would have found other work sooner than you did. So I'm gonna award you less severance. And that may feel unfair, but when you consider the purpose of severance, it actually makes sense. And it also helps that the converse of this situation is true. Uh, And this is exactly what happened in this case. If the assumption is that sales jobs are everywhere, but then you undertake a really reasonable and diligent search for work and turn up empty handed, a court is gonna use that as evidence to say that the job market is particularly difficult and that you're entitled to more severance as they did in this case. And again, this was a guy who had been employed for six months and was awarded six months.
0: The, uh, well, I mean, that was, he had a reasonably long employment before that. That definitely sweetened the deal, as you said, right?
1: Well, he was only employed for 18 months beforehand. Right. So even if you put, you know, those two together, you're still a short service employee, right? I mean, even if he had gotten full credit for those 18 months uh, and that counted towards the notice period, you know, we're still only looking at a two-year guy, uh, who's still awarded six months. Uh, and, either way, the judge said that although he found some inducement, ultimately the inducement was kind of on the line. The The biggest part of this case was that this sales associate um, undertook what ended up being an unassailable search for alternative work. He registered for like three agencies. He made like forty two job applications. He went to eight interviews. And wow. nothing like he was he was incredible. But nothing panned out for this guy. And so for seven months, and so a judge looked at that and said, I can see from this and I have the authority to make the inference that because it was so difficult for you, the job market is particularly difficult. And if the job market is particularly difficult and the purpose of severance is to provide you with a cushion until you find other employment, then the appropriate Mm -hmm. thing to do is to increase the severance period. Um, So yeah, it was a great result for my client and I'm super happy how it turned out.
0: We'll take a, a short break. You have questions or calls on your own. Please uh, please bring them on 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Lots more of the Employment Hour on the way right here, CKNW. It is 4.33. I have uh, plenty of time to call in, get your questions answered about your job, something you're scratching your head over when it comes to your employment or employment law. I would love to answer it. Uh, Leah takes all your questions here on the show on a weekly basis. Every time we do this show, the number you probably know by now, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. In that regard, get to uh, to Neil. Hey, Neil. How are you? Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon to you. Yes, I would like to find out if uh, how far back you can go, say, what happened to me i was on a a sick leave for two years and the doctor was giving me the wrong medicine so i wasn't thinking straight then they phoned me up from the, the government base and told me that the two years i had to resign or i would be put in bad standing but so i did because i was applying for other government jobs and um it turns out that at the same very time, they were uh, th- buying people out for $100,000, carpenters and, and tradesmen, throughout that base. And and he uh, said that I couldn't come back. He says, well, I'll come back then and straighten it out. And he uh, denied me to come back, so he sent me the forms, and I signed them because I was on the wrong drugs from the doctor. Uh, who who actually um, retired when he found out what he'd done to me. So do I have any action left to to maybe go after anything?
1: How long ago did this happen, Neil?
3: Oh, probably uh, twenty four Five or so years ago.
1: Oh man! Uh, unfortunately, not Neil. Um, there's a there's a two year statute of limitations, and it prevents somebody from bringing any kind of action uh, against uh, the the proposed defendant for after two years since the incident that that occurred. Um, so if you um oh, I guess what-
3: they lied to me and.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the main thing is is when the when the damage in the incident was discoverable. And what that means is, um, you know, for how long have you known that they lied to you and, and tricked you into it? And if the answer is, you know, longer than two years ago, then a court is going to find that you can't bring your action forward. But in any event, some of the language that you were using, Neil, indicated to me that you were unionized in that position. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, there wouldn't even be anything that I could do for you anyway, because if you're unionized, then you've got to bring forward a grievance with your union at that time. Um, and, and, you know, even if we were within the two-year limitation period, that's something that you would be having to deal with through your union. I'm sorry that it sounds like you've got the you got the bad end of a, of a deal there, um, you know, especially given that you were, it sounds like you were in a very vulnerable situation. Um, you know, if this was within two years and if you hadn't been unionized. There's definitely you know, some discussion to be had about steps that we might be able to take for you. But given that it's been 25 years and the fact that you were unionized, there's unfortunately uh, nothing that I can do.
0: Thanks for your call. Uh, regardless, Neil, you as well have plenty of time. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 uh, on cell. Two things quickly to unpack there. Number one, uh, reiterating what you said about unionized employees when it comes to going outside the bargaining agreement to seek help. And Ah, uh, the limitation—not just on Neil's yeah. claim, but for for most claims on employment—you have two years, including your severance, right?
1: Yeah, you've got two years to make a civil claim. But what's oh. really important to know, particularly in a province like this one, is that you only have six months to bring a claim through the Employment Standards Branch. Um, and what that means is that if you're going to go through the Employment Standards Branch because um, your company is not paying you overtime or because you you uh, you know, you didn't get stat holiday pay or you're mm-hmm. not getting proper vacation, any of the things that are covered by the Employment Standards Act, you only have six months to bring a complaint through the Employment Standards Branch. That is not a lot of time. And it's one of the no. reasons why I'm so glad we do this show because the amount of people who call me after that six-month mark has passed or after that two-year mark has passed. I mean, I think that every time we do this show, we talk to somebody mm-hmm. who had something that happened, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Getting information out there to people is so critical because if you don't know what your rights are of course you don't know when you're supposed to be enforcing them um so you know give your friendly employment lawyer a call uh next time you've got a question uh you know happy to walk you through it happy to answer any questions you have so that you can make sure that you're protecting your rights
0: and again unions are off limits not just to use an employment lawyer but any of your colleagues you can't do it right
1: and no one. No one can do it. Yeah. You, you can't bring a civil claim against uh, against your company if you're unionized. Your union will have exclusive jurisdiction over any kind of workplace issue. And that has to be grieved. The only time that you can um, engage an employment lawyer is if your union is failing to, uh, to fairly represent you. But that... As, as innocuous as that sounds, is actually a very, very high threshold. You essentially yeah. need to come to me with, you know, a, a pocket cam video that you took of a union representative plugging their ears with their fingers, right. refusing to listen to you yeah, before I much. can say your union hasn't met its duty of fair representation. So unfortunately, unless you've got that pocket cam, um, yeah. I, we're kind of, uh, we're, our hands are tied
0: totally. Uh, the number to call in, still plenty of time for you, uh, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. I want to reach out through email, that is possible as well, help at employmenthour.com. Talked about uh, the beginning of the show, now that we got a uh, few minutes here, uh, some of the most common questions you get asked every day at the firm. We, we, we've gone through a few of these in the last couple shows between the phone calls, but I want to get down the list a little further. Yeah. And uh, this is one that I know you get quite often, at least phone calls at the, uh, at the office. And that is, I've tried to come back to work after, or disability leave, and my employer says, oh, sorry, don't have a job for you. Is that even legal?
1: It's not necessarily illegal. Um, right. A lot of employees and, and employers believe that being on a sick leave makes you untouchable, uh, but that's not actually true. A- an employer can terminate you for any reason at any time, and that includes any time that you're away on a leave, whether that be a sick leave or a parental leave. The key here is that the sick leave, the, the disability leave, can't be a reason for right. your termination. It can't even be a fraction of the reason for your termination. And, and you know I try to put it this way. You can be terminated while you're on leave, but you can't be terminated because you're on leave.
0: Yeah, they shut down the whole department. That's different. You're part of it, right?
1: Exactly. An employer doesn't have to, you know, board up its windows and shutter its blinds and stop doing business because it has an employee that's on leave. It is allowed to make business decision, and that includes a restructuring, and that includes terminating your position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the leave was the reason behind your termination, then you may have a human rights code complaint. You may also have a human rights code complaint if there were jobs available that you could have worked in and the employer simply failed to accommodate you. Mm -hmm. If you've been medically cleared to return to work from leave, your employer has a positive duty to do what it can to the point of undue hardship to accommodate uh, your return. But even if the leave isn't a reason and even if every step has still been taken to accommodate that employee, the employee is still entitled to severance. And in this case, you may be entitled to more than you might otherwise be if you have a a permanent or lasting disability that will impact your ability to find other work. If you find yourself in this situation, it's extremely important to give us a call. It's a very complicated area of the law and you want to make sure that you're navigating it appropriately.
0: I want to take one more quick call before we break here in a moment. Uh, John, what's going on with you? Good afternoon.
4: Yeah, hey, thanks for taking my call. I've got a yeah. bit of a reverse situation here where I'm still working. However, my employer uh, is is having me do work in a situation where I find myself, I'm working like 10 to 12 hours a day. Uh, he, require, he requires certain reports on his desk by 6.30 Monday morning. And I said, well, when do I submit those? And he goes, well, do it like everybody else and do, submit them on Sunday. Um, and, uh, and I just, I mean, I'm in my early 60s, and I just, I mm-hmm. just can't, you know, I just can't. At what point, and, I, you know, if I say, well, go, you know, the, the heck with you, I mean, I'll, end up, I'll, be, I'll probably end up getting fired, um, which I don't want to do because, you know, there's a lot of ages when you go out there to apply for new jobs.
1: Yeah, of course. How long have you been working there, John? Uh, just over
4: a year and a half.
1: Okay. And what, uh, what role are you in?
4: I'm in a, I'm in the key account manager sales role.
1: Okay. And when did your hours start picking up? Like what kind of hours were you working beforehand?
4: Oh, when I was with the previous, uh, previous companies.
1: No, no, no. With the one that you're with now.
4: Oh, it's, it's kind of been like that since day one.
1: Oh, I see. Are you being paid salary? Yes. Okay so it, it's more likely than not that if this has been the case since day one that your salary is meant to compensate you for all additional hours work now I, I'd want to have to I want to take a look at an employment contract just to be sure but on the whole um, y- you are and you're not a manager position right you said you were a key I'm in, account in Yes. You are in a management position, okay? Yeah. Because if you're in a true management position, then you're not entitled to overtime under the Employment Standards Act. And so, what that means is that if you're working those additional hours, then your salary is meant to compensate you for all of those hours worked. And so, well, I, I, I'm
4: probably, I can tell you, salary-wise, it's not because I'm probably making about thirty thousand dollars less than I was in my previous position, and then, well, I may, I'm making as much money now as I was in 1995.
1: Well, I'm very sorry to hear that, but your best bet then is to take that and use it as leverage because chances are, if you're the kind of guy that they need working 12 hours a day, you're probably pretty irreplaceable to that company. And so if you take it to them and say, you know, this is, I've been breaking my back for you. I'm in my early sixties and I want to keep working here, but you need to pay me commensurately with that. um, I have no doubt that that'll be a successful negotiation, but I, I honestly think that that's probably your only move here.
4: Okay, I appreciate your comments. Thank you very much.
1: You're welcome, John. Good luck.
0: Thank you, John. Appreciate that. Uh, you want to follow up further? 604 283 3123 to get a hold of Leah. I see you standing there, Steve, or at least sitting there. We'll get to you after a short break and your phone calls as well. Still got some time. 604 280 9898 or star 9898 on sale. More employment hours on the way right here, CKNW. It is uh, 4.47 here. Lots of time for you to uh, still call in, get your questions answered. Like, uh, Steve, thanks for hanging in, fella. How are you?
5: Good, guy. Hi, thanks. Um, here's sure. a question. Okay, I was injured on the job. I've been at this place 10 years. Um, I've returned to work, but I'm still having problems working. Workman's compensation has denied my claim.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: I haven't filed a uh, what a grievance with Workman's Comp yet, but I'm just wondering if if I can't work and I and I can't do my job, what mm-hmm. do I do? Would it be disability or
1: yeah? Um, so, what kind of job are you working?
5: I work as a chef, and I just can't use my arm. I just having too many problems with it, and
1: okay. Are wondering, you are you still um are you still uh, seeking medical assistance with the injury?
5: I am. Yes, I'm doing physio and such, and it's getting to the point where it's causing me problems to work again. And I just got back two weeks, three weeks ago. Okay. So would,
1: yeah. Does Does your physiotherapist or doctor have any recommendations for things that can be done in the workplace that might be able to help you?
5: Well, it's kind of hard in my position. What I do, right? I say either I do my job or I don't. You know, I can't really. Okay. alter
1: it okay because that would be that would be my first point of recommendation is speak to your doctor speak to your physiotherapist about any accommodations in the workplace that can be made for you you know whether mm-hmm. or not you need to take more breaks whether or not you need to work in a different position half the time less hours um, you know fewer duties things like that but if you're telling me that there's not really anything like that available no, there um, isn't. then then I think what you've got to do is is probably just go back on leave yeah to take it take a disability leave until you're actually feeling like you can return to work, um, and then return to work at at full speed and full
5: capacity. Now, if they decide to terminate me during a disability, then I would have to file for the severance and whatnot. I guess
1: absolutely correct.
5: Yes, yeah, and, and yeah. if
1: and if you think at all that it's related to the fact that you are on disability, that you have this injury at work, that's a human rights code issue. Um, well. And yeah, yeah, and I and it's really important that I let you know that for human rights code issues, you only have six months from the mm-hmm. date that the incident happens for you to bring a complaint with the human rights tribunal. Yes. So as soon uh, yeah. as something like that happens, Steve, give me a
5: call. Yeah. Happy to help of, you out. Because like I said, I, it seems like I might have to go on leave again because it's just too hard to work. I've come back for a, three weeks and I'm still on the same issues. So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, then, okay. then, then take a leave. Um, and if your employer, you know, tries any funny business, uh, you know, know that the law protects you really, really well here. You're mm. a 10-year guy. You're working as a chef. It's not an easy mm. job to get. You're entitled to uh, to a fair amount of severance and possible human rights code damages if, if it's at all related to your
5: injury. If, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll just uh, see how this pans out. Yeah. Good luck.
0: Okay. Appreciate that, Steve. And please uh, follow back with us and let us know what uh, what goes down. To, uh, Leah's number, by the way, 604-283-3123 or help at employmenthour.com. Get to uh, to Marco. Hey, Marco, good afternoon.
6: Good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. I got a question. Um, actually, I got two questions. Uh, last year, I worked for a company, one of the major telco companies here in Canada, and I got laid off. Question number one. How much time do I have to to take legal action for being terminated? Number two, if I was fired because of the cause, is that, uh, with the cause, is that, uh, would that leave me with any kind of uh, room to get uh, severance uh, repaid back to me?
1: Okay, so very, very good questions. So when you use the phrase laid off, you mean that you were actually terminated, correct? That it was a permanent termination?
6: I was fired with cause. That's what's in the contract.
1: That's, that's what's in the termination letter?
6: That's what's in the termination letter. Because I didn't actually perform. When you're in a sales, it doesn't really matter where you are. There are certain numbers that you have to produce. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I, was not, I didn't produce, but there are I have evidence that I was asking certain marketing things that the company was doing for other people, doing it for me, but they didn't do it.
1: Okay, did they warn you about your performance issues?
6: They did, they did.
1: They did? And and um, how many times, do you remember? It was actually all
6: written. It, it was actually maybe a couple of times that they did.
1: Okay, and did you feel like the standards, the performance standards were achievable, that they gave you a chance to meet them?
6: Uh, the... <laughs> it it because of what i was asking like before me i like i was asking for certain initiative from the company so i could achieve those things those those standards company was not this this organization was not actually coming into a, into a term with that okay and so i keep asking and asking and asking and there was nothing
1: Okay, so let me let me answer your two questions. Um, number one, you've got two years from the date that you were terminated to bring an action. So if you this happened last year, you're certainly well within your time to do so, and I definitely suggest that you give me a call. Second, and as I spoke about at the beginning of the show, cause is very difficult to prove, Marco. Um, so if if they didn't really make the standards clear to you, if the standards were unattainable, or they didn't give you a chance to meet those standards, then it's it's very unlikely that they'll be able to prove cause and you're entitled to severance.
6: Okay, now my question in here is, when you're talking about unlikely, what is the status? What is law was saying about this, this particular area? Because this is getting mm-hmm. too gray. It wasn't just me. This was actually a national company. Uh, I don't know whether just under jurisdiction or federally or, or provincially. I have no idea. I don't want to name a company. But what's happening here is that lots of people got laid off. And lots of people, they were afraid of actually even voicing their opinion. They just left. So...
1: Right. So let this me Yeah, let me just say that for for the most part, especially when we're dealing with cases of cause, and especially, you know, you and I talking over the radio very briefly, we are largely working within a gray area. I can't give you an answer for sure right now as to whether or not the company will be able to establish cause. What I can tell you, Marco, is that it's very very difficult to prove cause. It's called the capital punishment of the employment relationship. An employer has a very, very high threshold to prove it. And in the vast majority of cases, they can't. So I certainly think it's worth some more exploration and that you and I can talk further about that.
0: Marco, I'm going to let you go in that regard. And the number 604-283-3123 is where you want to follow up after the show. Julie, we got about uh, two minutes to go here. So uh, go ahead. What do you got in mind?
6: Hi, um, I was on stress leave from my job, and they asked me to supply a note by a certain date from a doctor's note to extend my um, medical leave, mm-hmm. and the day, well, I tried. I called to try and book an appointment with, with my doctor, but I wasn't able to get into the very next, or the day after their um, deadline was, and I did call, and I did let them know, and what they did was they served me the day of my doctor, uh, appointment and fired me because they said I abandoned my position
1: oh Julie no 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 <laughs> they can't yeah, do that I, they did that well that's awful um, how long were you there for I was there for three years three years and what position were you in Julie um, I was in inventory management inventory man that's a management position Um, no no it wasn't okay and how old are you me I'm 50 okay and when did this happen
6: it happened in it all started in November of um, like last year but it carried on because I was on um, medical leave right and they finally let me go in March
1: Okay, so, I mean, abandonment of a position is a legal concept that an employer can prove in a case where an employee is not showing up for shifts, uh, the employer makes a various number of attempts to get a hold of the employee, and the employee is basically just going AWOL. Uh, But in your case, when you're trying to return from from a disability leave, or in this case, extending a disability leave, you've been in touch with the employer the entire time to let them know that you're going to be late, they're never... Uh, going to make an abandonment uh, of job position. So you're certainly entitled to severance uh, in this situation. And I certainly suggest that you give me a call off air and we can chat about it further.
0: Julie, I appreciate that. We got a hold of there and wrap for the day. Back more next Sunday. In the meantime, the number is 604-283-3123 to get a hold of Leah at the office as well. Help at employmenthour.com. And you want to find out what your severance offer should be before you sign anything. SeverancePayCalculator.com as well. Till next time, the Employment Hour right here on CKNW.